The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. Welcome back into episode 10 of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. It's part two. Pete Sweeney here with John Dixon. John, are you ready for part two of this 10th episode of the Editor's Show? Absolutely. And I'm ready to put an asterisk after every episode from here on out because the numbers are going to be all wrong. That's right. Yes. We will have episode 11 and a half coming your way next show. (laughs) Let's start with what we let off with on the first show, and that is some of these potential rule changes at the time. We found out yesterday that, unfortunately, no 4th and 15 alternative coming to the NFL this season, giving teams an option to forego an onside kick and start at their 25 and try to keep the ball. I'm a little disappointed, frankly. But I will say this, that there was one objection that... I read that the owners had to this proposed rule change was that a team could score on that one play. And I think that kind of makes sense. Maybe if you're going to have an untimed down, which is the way they had finally organized that proposal, if you're going to have an untimed down, the only thing that matters is whether or not you get the 15 yards. And if you do, the ball is spotted at the 40 and off you go. But that if you get... 24 yards, the ball is spotted at the 40, and off you go. And if you don't make it at all, the other team takes it at the 25. I could live with that. I could see why people would be afraid of it if you could just throw the ball up and make a 75-yard scoring play and then try it again. I get I get why people would be worried about that. Yeah. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network said there, there needs to be more discussion on the matter, so... Not for 2020. Maybe we see it in future years. Some things that did pass. Three players are now allowed to return from injured reserve. It used to be two. It's going to help the Chiefs as recent as last year when they had a number of injuries throughout the season. So I think that's a a sensible change. Doesn't really, I don't don't know, require much commentary. That just makes sense. Mm -hmm. You don't want teams abusing it. So I think three is starting to feel in that range of you're good to go. You don't want to tempt teams necessarily to use this in order to basically expand the roster. Rosters are expanding anyway, so there really shouldn't be a reason to do that. Whenever you talk about 
bending the rules for some reason. The New England Patriots always come to mind. and <laughs> I can't imagine why. That's a good segue <laughs> for our next point on the rules. Three rules change proposals were approved. The Patriots and Titans manipulation of the game clock with dead ball fouls has been no longer allowed. So that's a good thing. We won't see a repeat of what we had in last year's playoffs with the Titans and Mike Vrabel, a Belichick disciple, using that weird rule loophole against Belichick to drain more clock. That's out. And so that's a good thing. Expansion of defenseless player protection for kick returns and punt returns, making the game safer. I think that makes sense. And automatic replay. I didn't even know this actually yesterday. I'll say this. So I'm, I'm willing to admit this. Automatic replay, including scoring plays and turnovers, is now permanent. I didn't even know we were in the trial period. I thought that yeah. just was permanent. So there you go. That's been going on for a while. I, uh, but, you know, maybe if I look at it, I'll realize that they started doing that two years ago and I just have lost track. I don't know. I had no idea it wasn't permanent either. So I'm right there with you. We talked about the Sky Judge yesterday. The reason why it didn't come through official rule proposals is because they, they took it off the table. This is something they're going to try during the preseason. But John, as you were describing to me, as you dig into the bare bones of this, it, it seems a little teethless. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm a little worried about whether this is really what it is that they're looking for. Um, you know, the problem with the pass interference challenge that they passed last year is that it depended too much on the officials basically saying we were wrong, you know? And the the whole point of the sky judge is to have the fan viewpoint of what it looks like on TV being part of the deliberation of the officials. And as I have read what they're going to do in preseason, the referee is still going to be in charge. I'm okay with that. I think the referee, the guy on the field, should be the guy who's in charge of the crew. I've got no problem with that. But the booth umpire, which is what they're calling the sky judge, will not have the ability to initiate contact with the referee. And I think that's wrong. I think what you need in this situation is the guy in the box to be able to push a button and say to the referee, hey, you guys need to pick that flag up, and here's why. Or, hey, you guys missed that egregious holding right. call on the touchdown play or whatever it is. Yeah, I think if there's anything the NFL should have learned from last year, if you want a rule to be adopted, you have to take it, in a sense, out of the hands of the referees because all these coaches and owners finally agreed on this instant replay rule and the referees let's be honest here, got together and said, nope, we are not doing this. We're and, not doing it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you rarely saw calls changed. I watched so much football in the fall, not even including the Chiefs, and so much time of mine was wasted by waiting to see the call just be upheld anyway. So again, if, you, if you're going to pass anything, you have to be telling the referees know this guy is a new position and you're right. He has some power here because if it's still going to be up to the referee, the referees around the league could all get together once again and say, nope, we are never going to use the sky judge. Yeah. And then you're wasting time, money, and resources. So that is a, a rule review. Not much has changed, frankly. Yeah, that's the bottom line is that really very little has changed. 
And, you know, there have, you know, the, the I love the third player off injured reserve. Wasn't that long ago you couldn't do it at all. Right. <laughs> and just I stuck think, for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in favor of that. But on the field, there's not much. I do want to make a quick point about fourth and 15. I, I, I am not recalling where I saw it, but I, I saw one of the newsbreakers on Twitter say there were some teams concerned about quarterbacks having a certain advantage. So that Mahomes thing is real because if, if you're thinking about who would maybe have an advantage, what comes to mind right away is Mahomes and Jackson. So there you go. I mean, that's just showing Kansas City they have a threat that everybody is clearly aware of here. But you know, from my perspective as somebody who thought they should do this, most of the reaction I've seen has been from people who are worried about the people about teams using it against the Chiefs. Now, I totally would have understood that three years ago. But right. now I'm like, uh, maybe that isn't what we ought to be worried about. It's funny, we've we've referred to this as the Mahomes clause because we think that Mahomes will be fabulous at converting these, and he will be. It ought to be called the Mahomes clause because everybody else is worried about catching up to him. <laughs> I it's mean, true. that's that's really what it comes down to, and and for that reason, I'm kind of surprised it didn't pass. So the objections they had to it on the way it was constructed must have been pretty steep in their minds. Yeah, it would have been like a trick candle, and in the pre-Mahomes Chiefs, it would have been Tom Brady down eight with a minute to go and he wins games or down nine, I guess I should say, because it needs to be two scores. So down nine somehow wins a game. And, but that's the Prima Holmes chiefs. You're now that team. So embrace mm-hmm. that. Kent is always saying that. And granted, he, he sometimes just yells it at the top of his lungs, but he's right. <laughs> you are that team now. So I think you should embrace rules like this where you have the quarterback to take advantage of it. I also think that one of the issues here is that there's a lot of variance in what people said the statistics on it were. You know, I saw people saying, well, fourth and 15, you know, was converted 30% of the time uh, over the last 10 years. Yeah, that's 60 plays, 60 fourth and 15 plays over the last 10 years in the NFL. Well, the problem with that is one play equals what, 3%? So that's a really small sample size to be basing that on. So, and some people were using totally different numbers that I don't know where they got them. So, yeah, but you know, I think you just know how this goes, John. I mean, you get two or three years down the road with this rule, they'll pop up that stat and Mahomes will, Mahomes will say like seven of nine converted. And, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not even kidding. I just think like, he would be that clutch with it, maybe not as high as that, maybe you're at five or six of nine, but still that a percentage way higher than the rest of the league. I agree with that. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. So we were able to finally hear from the Chiefs assistant coaches and some players. So it's a lot of sound. I'll be putting it up on a from the podium in the coming days, one of these days, either Sunday or Monday, uh, probably Sunday at some point. But what I've done is I've ranked and cut sound. I think that was most important. So you don't want to study for the test. It's going to take you so long. Pete has provided you the cliff notes. So here we go. First up, I think the most important quote to really come out of these past few days, Dylan McCullough on the running back room and what could happen as the Chiefs get ready for training camp. You want to get all these guys out there. You want to get going and see what we got. One thing we know is on 
you know, just looking at some guys' past and the snapshots we got of guys, whether it be DeAndre at Washington, obviously with Daryl and, um, and Damian and Darwin with us. And then you look at, you know, where we drafted Clyde and what his body of work was um, in, in college. You know, we got some high-end players in our room, you know, and I know what the, what the, the guys that are returning, some guys that we feel comfortable with. Um, but again, you always want to continue to enhance the room and, and create competition and just raise the level of the room. And I think that's what we have. How it all shakes down, ultimately, we're going to let that thing play out on the football field. That's the beauty of our game. You know, we get a chance to go up and let's see what's what. So and the whole room knows that, man, and these guys looking forward to it. Get along well, you know, um, very competitive. However, very supportive also. And they know at the end of the day, what they do is going to speak to where their role is when the season gets started. So I'm looking forward to that. There's been a contingent of Chiefs fans I've seen both on our site and on social media that I called the, but what about Damien crew? And I understand he was a playoff hero, but this reminds me a little bit of when Pat got here and Alex was still the quarterback. There can exist a world where Alex is a really good quarterback, but you have to play Patrick Mahomes because he is otherworldly or he is magnificent. And I think that's a little bit of what you have here. Whereas Damien is an above average running back. I, as long as he's healthy, he can fit really well in Andy Reid's system. Mm -hmm. Clyde is the guy. And so I think you're hearing there and running backs coach Dylan McCullough, listen, we're going to have it open at training camp. We're not going to do what we did last year where they named Damien the starter and then two weeks into camp, he's on the sidelines. Essentially, the anti-Eric Bieniemy was Bieniemy who made that proclamation at this point last year and they spent quite a bit of the offseason backing off from it. They don't want that problem this year. I'm going to make it a competition and see what happens. But I think you're right. I think that Edward Zolaire is going to be the guy that they're going to want to give as many snaps to as possible in this coming season. But he's still a drafted player who hasn't had the benefit of the full offseason program. I think they're smart to recognize that he might not be the guy they need until sometime mid-season, say. This running back's room is, is wild, wildly strong. With mm -hmm. DeAndre Washington of the Chiefs are high on coming in, Darrell Williams, Darwin Thompson. Someone good is going to have to be traded or cut. And, and that's just the reality of it. And we know it's not going to be Clyde as the top pick, the number 32 pick. He realizes just how awesome this room is going in. I mean, you know, it's, it's just like I'm in the same position I was three years ago. I was going into a college football room where, you know, Leonard, was, Leonard had just left and I was in a room with Darius Geis, Darrell Williams, uh, who's actually in, my, you know, in the room now. And Nick Brochette, um, I had Lenore Fournette. I had guys, you know, I was going into a, a stacked room again. And ultimately, I went in to learn. That's the, that's the biggest thing. If you, can, if you can learn from guys who've, who've experienced, you know, experienced the things that, that, that you are about to encounter, you can, you can only, you know, benefit from it. So um, I'm the young guy in the room. I'm, I'm 21 years old, you know, and, and right now I'm learning. I'm, I'm a rookie. So that's, you know, I'm standing in my place and I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. Now, they've had problems as pros talking about Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis, but in college, they were just incredible. And that is why these teams drafted them 
you know, so high and were supposed to be these franchise running backs. So think about that. And you think about being in a room with those guys, something you forget. I sort of forgot that to be honest. And Clyde is now entering a similar situation. And so he could take advantage of, of that experience where there may be another guy who was always the guy just hasn't been the case for Clyde. Cause he's coming from that LSU program. Right. Got to be weird for him to be in the same room with uh, Daryl, though, don't you think? I think that would be weird. Weirder to, for Daryl because Daryl's like, yeah, yeah. He looks, he looks at him and he goes, "You, I thought I was going to be in the mixer." <laughs> all these running backs, all these running backs in the room, because as I was saying, like Damian was for sure going to be the RB one this year. Mm, yeah, but if you're Daryl Williams or Darwin Thompson or even DeAndre Washington, before they drafted Clyde, you had to be looking at this situation like Damian gets hurt. I'm going to have an opportunity here to be the guy. And in the matter of a second, a NFL draft second, that just Mm -hmm. went completely out the window. I mean, you saw 75% of the year snaps just poof, goodbye. And Mm -hmm. now you're left probably at a ceiling at this point of being the RB3, you know, if you go past Damien. Well, unless Damien is injured. You know, which that moves, every, right. which moves everybody up a spot. Right, right. I asked McCullough what he liked about Clyde, and he said short area quickness and really an ability to make people miss. That was some of the first things he said. Reminded me of what they said about Kareem Hunt while he was still in Kansas City, that natural elusiveness. And you see that on the tape in Clyde. And, and that was something I asked him. How do you come up with such an a natural knack for being able to make the opposing defenders miss. You know, honestly, I couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you it's something that's, that's, that I was born with or something. And then, you know, ever since I felt like that was a gift that I had is you always try to find things to, to make it better or work on it or find ways, you know, to, to make it, you know, elite as far as, you know, some, some guys would say, so, um, I just wanted to work on it, make it being quicker and faster than the next person is always it's kind of the name of the game and it's what I it's what I made my game. Being being quick and, and fast and, and small areas is the way I get open, it's the way it's the way I run the ball, it's, it's you know, it's the way I ended up at the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if the Chiefs made this a point, but they just seem to draft guys at this stage of the game and sign free agent guys that just say the right thing all the time. I think you saw that right there. I mean, he's just being straight up honest about a, it it is this natural trade he has. He's acknowledged that, but B, he's got a lot of work to do, and and you can you can tell at least what from what he's saying, he's going to be putting that in in order to earn his way there. If you come into the NFL, not recognizing that you have a lot of work to do, um, you do so at your own peril. I mean, really, uh, there really are very few players that come into the NFL and are able to play at a high level right off the bat. So if you don't come in with that attitude, you're going to be in real trouble. So I salute you, Clyde, for your attitude because you've got the right one. Okay, that wraps up the first portion of our quotes. We'll continue on with Sam Madison, Brendan Daly, Mitch Schwartz, Madhouse, Andy Hill, quotes from Chiefs assistants and some players there. As you heard, you were listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, continuing to break down the Thursday and Friday media availabilities by the Chiefs. Want to continue with defensive backs and cornerbacks coach Sam Madison. And this has been an issue all offseason since Bashad Breeland ran into a little bit of trouble. He is in line to be the starting outside cornerback along with Charvarius Ward for this upcoming season but he may not start the season with the Chiefs. I'll go as far as to say as he probably won't start the season with the Chiefs. He'll probably be suspended for a non-zero amount of games. So the Chiefs need some depth there for the beginning of the season. So again, I asked Sam Madison, all right, well, here we are. You have Ward, you have Breland. That's great. Who do you have? Who do you like behind these two guys? I'm Hamilton. You know, we brought him in, you know, to be able to come out and compete. But, you know, when you look at the landscape of offense this year, you know, you're going to have three wide receivers on the football field every single time. So you need to find that third corner. But, you know, have an opportunity to, to draft Snead, um, a big corner, a physical guy, knows how to attack the ball at the highest point. Those are the things for as each and every last one of my guys, they that we need to get better as the percentage 50-50 balls thrown down football fields. So, you know, Snead, Keys, um, you look at Hamilton, you know, we brought him in, you know, to be able to come in and, and solidify himself. But one guy I'm excited about is Rashard Fenton. You look at later on in the season, you know what I'm saying, even going into the Super Bowl, man, the kid, he made plays. You know, he has the Cito's uh, concepts, understand him. Tyran was able to help him and work through him. Um, and, you know, we was able to put a pretty good run with these guys. So going later on when Breland went down a couple of series and plays, uh, you know, he went out there and he played corner. And he and he held his own, but um, you know we're going to put these guys just like we did last year in a lot of different places and see um, what comes up. And Coach Spags has a really good mixture of guys that he can play with, but we can coach these guys up and get them to understand how to play together. You know, the, uh, the sky's the limit. Going out there and making plays. There's two types of Chiefs fans. There's Chiefs fans, and Chiefs fans listen to the editor show. And if you're one of the latter, you knew that Antonio Hamilton was the starter <laughs> about four weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All hail Pete Sweeney. You nailed that one. <laughs> but I'm not sure myself. I mean, I think he yeah. also is speaking very highly of Rashad Fenton. Yeah. And I think that he could be a surprise player this year. He showed pretty well when he played last year. Wasn't Didn't play brilliantly. Right. You know, draft pick. You're not going to expect a lot from him. Your expectations are not going to be high. But he did show well when he was on the field. And I think we might be able to see some more of him this year that we'll be happy about. So... I think there's a mysterious element to the rookies as well, right? So if the Chiefs were on the practice field right now, maybe Legereus Sneed is showing that he's way further along by the end of the offseason program than they ever thought. So right. 
Hamilton's been in the league for a few years now. I just think because of the experience, I you know I wrote him in there. That could change at training camp. I'm not sure. Saying, it could. Okay, yeah. Rashad Fenton could take a step in the offseason that says, well, I mean, he might be our best option across Ward while we wait for Breland to return. However long that is, we're due to find that out. So I think the best thing about that sound is, is you heard that the Chiefs have options. And I think whenever you're going to deal with a suspension of any sort, you just want to have some depth there. So if one guy doesn't work, maybe you insert another guy and, and you figure it out there. Don't forget, back to the Sneed point, the Chiefs are not afraid if they feel like the rookie is ready to start a rookie. We saw that with Juan Thornhill last year in the secondary. So a little different with the fourth rounder compared to a second rounder. The reason why I say, well, maybe you should be looking at him a little bit higher is because as we noted in that interview last week with Sneed's defensive backs coach from college, his draft stock might have taken a little bit of hit by switching him to safety, not getting that last year tape as a cornerback. Maybe he is closer to a third rounder and who knows how this plays out in training camp. That is another interesting position to watch because of the Breland suspension. Had Breland's suspension not been impending, I think you would look at a near-definite starting secondary of Fenton in that slot role uh, and then Ward and Breland on the outside. But this throws a wrench into it. And you hope some guy can really step up. So by the time Breland does show back up, you feel comfortable with your depth throughout because injuries do happen. And I think it also shows what a smart pick Antonio Hamilton was. Because we all saw it as just a special teams player. You know, we're losing a couple of special teams, aces and free agency. And so the Chiefs want to get another one in there because that's what they do. Let's be clear about this. Dave Tobo has a couple of roster spots that are pretty much reserved for his guys. They're expected to do nothing more but be special teams players. And that may end up being what Antonio Hamilton is. But he can play cornerback. And as you've noted before, there were a couple of games last season where he really stepped up and played extremely well. So they've got him as an option that they can use if they need him. So it was really a smart pick for a veteran salary benefit contract, especially. So that was a, that was a good job there by the front office on that one. Let's keep moving along with the audio. Here's defensive line coach Brendan Daly on some of his talks this offseason with Chris Jones, who is franchise tagged right now by the Chiefs. Chris and I have had a great relationship and I've had a couple of conversations with him over the course of the off season here. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into the details of that. And, and honestly, you know, he's got his contract situation going on and uh, you know, I trust that Brett Veach and his staff are handling that side of things. And, and I just kind of leave it there. Andy Reid has said that the chiefs have had hundred percent participation Still a little unclear if Jones is there every time or partially or, or whatnot, but there's Daly essentially a non-answer right there. Doesn't really want to talk about Jones. I, I assume you'll continue to get similar types of answers as time goes along until they have something definitive on this. I was struck by how similar his answer was to what Andy Reid would say in that situation. Well, Brett Veach handles all of that. I'll just leave that there. I mean, that's almost exactly what Andy says when he's asked those kinds of questions. But that's all right. He's the boss. Everybody's following his lead. And and that's cool. Coach's handbook. Yeah. Everybody gets it when they, they come in. I thought this was interesting from Mitch Schwartz, who was asked about where he believes the league stands. Mitch Schwartz is a deep thinker about a lot of these things. We have had the benefit of time. I mean, we're still two months away from, you know, when training camp would start. So we've been particularly fortunate as a league to 
kind of get hit with this at the, the right time. And also obviously selfishly, you know, a month earlier and no Super Bowl. So, um, you know, it's kind of just worked out timing perspective all the way around. Um, yeah. I mean, it seemed realistic what he said. I mean, he's not trying to be a total optimist. It wasn't doom and gloom. You know, my inclination from the get go was that they're going to find a way to make it happen. Um, there's, I mean, there's so much money involved from all sides and um, you know, that was something that, when they're talking about, I guess free agency was the first thing, you know, post COVID and there were some people saying, Oh, they shouldn't do it. And you know, the optics and all that. And of course it was a massive success because people love the NFL. They want the content. It's, it's, that's one of the most fun, you know, particular days of the year where teams are getting influxes of new talent. Um, you know, the draft went through and the ratings were up, you know, 30, 35% across the board. And so those kind of two events, kind of strengthened my view that there's just a lot at stake, um, you know, mostly money and um, that's just the reality of it. But from all sides, I mean, we obviously want to play. This is what we do. It's, it's fun for us. Um, you know, we miss playing, we miss hanging out with our buddies, you know, we miss the competition. Um, you know, it's just beneficial from, from all sides to come together and find a solution. And I just thought, you know, with how much was on the line and at stake, um, they would definitely come out with a solution. And, you know, I'm sure it's very difficult. I, like I said, I've not been privy to any conversations. I can't imagine having to figure all that out, you know, medically football, uh, fans, revenues, it's just, it's so many moving parts. Um, you know, that's luckily that's not part of my, uh, job capacity i'd probably have less hair if that was so uh it's, it's going pretty good i finally got my post covid haircut and sad state of affairs so there you go mitch schwartz <laughs> similar to i think what what we see right now the nfl just continues to roll along as best it can before we got on to record this podcast john i saw the cleveland browns are opening up their facility next week mm-hmm. yeah to a certain amount of individuals and away we go as we say at the beginning of each arrowhead pride editors show i think Everything when it comes to training camp starts to happen on time. That could be. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not prepared to make any kind of prediction about it. I find it amusing, however, that when the last time, well, I guess it wasn't the last time because the commissioners issued a statement to the to the teams since then. But when he put out that uh, memo to the teams a couple weeks ago, he made it very clear. I don't want you speculating about how the season is going to play out. You got problems or questions, you come to me. It's very clear. Yeah, we're not going to have any speculation about how the season plays out. And what's our response? Every time we get a coach or a player, when do you think the season is going to start? What do you think about what this other guy said about when the season's going to start? Yeah, Roger Goodell would be upset with my resume because number one thing I have under skills is speculating. That is <laughs> all I do. And so if there was no speculation, where, where would I work? Quick trip? Maybe get a quick trip. Uh, Matt House, linebackers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, was asked about top defensive pick linebacker Willie Gay and what he could potentially bring to the table. Uh, we really love his athleticism. Uh, he's a, a really, you know, he's got a good frame. He's big and he can run. Um, so we're excited about that. That's it. Don't blink. That's what he likes. Madhouse, all business. Doesn't really want to say too much about a rookie. I think he could tell that there. I poked him a little bit here. I, I asked him, well, Matt, I'm wondering, new guy, you don't really get a chance to be on the field with him. What are you missing by by not having that one-on-one time in person with Willie Gay? 
Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really looked at it that way. It's as coaches, our jobs to, you know, adapt and adjust. And in the times we've been in, that's kind of what we're doing. So, uh, Really, it's been great because I don't know that you get this much individual meeting time normally because you are racing to get out on the field. So hopefully it, it clears up any questions that he has in his mind. So when we do get out on the grass, we can hit the ground running. It's a lot of meeting time. I think Andy Reid said from that interview the other day, two hours with the veterans, five hours with the rookie, five hours of Zoom time. That is a long amount of time. That is like two or three periods of college time when you would go in the afternoon and you say, wow, this is my rough day, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have five hours of classes. That's a lot of classroom time that you're getting with these rookies. So if you hear him, maybe Willie Gay is better positioned instead of just being thrown into the fire. Could be. I keep thinking that some of these things we're seeing in this offseason are going to be permanent. I keep thinking that there are the, the coaches are going to recognize that there were some advantages to this. And that by uh, adding some remote teleconferencing with these players where they can actually work with them more one-on-one, which a number of the coaches have spoken about, how they can address their questions one-on-one. The players aren't afraid to ask a dumb question in front of a bunch of other people. That we may see more of this uh, in, in the future when this kind of teleconferencing isn't required, that it might be something that they do because they want to. They're finding enough positives in it, I think, that we will see that in the future. And there, there's just a, something to the point of unwasted time. I just think mm-hmm. when you're at a facility, and I've learned this too, pulling the curtain back, working in an office versus working at SB Nation where there is no office and you just work from your home and it's a little bit isolated, but look, you can't walk to a water cooler and spend 35 minutes talking about something that just kills time. It, it just doesn't exist. I mean, it's a little bit more efficient and you get more done and there's more time spent with family, which as you grow older and older, you realize you should be prioritizing. So to me, of course, I, I just think there's a lot of things that people are realizing we could not only better the game potentially, but at the same time, better our lives. Yeah, of course. Of course, we have to integrate a little bit more of this technology. And, and same thing right there with, with the time the coaching staff can spend with rookies. Maybe you, you, you bring them to the facility and then rather than having to keep them in the classroom in Kansas City, you say, go get lunch and we'll meet back online on Zoom in the afternoon for two hours. And they're more relaxed, they're refreshed, as opposed to draining them out you know, all day long. I think Last- it's easier to tell when people are paying attention too. I think a couple of coaches have mentioned, mentioned that as well that it's easier to keep track of the ones who are making eye contact with you and are actually getting what you're saying. I think that's harder in a meeting room than it is in a virtual setting. Last quote from assistant special teams coach Andy Hill. Hill spent 24 years as a coach at the University of Missouri before joining the Chiefs. He was asked, well, what's so appealing about joining the NFL? I can't tell you. The, when it came out, I was in Kansas City for three or four days, kind of going to work. And then it came out that I was you know, hired by the Chiefs on a Friday afternoon. And I was driving back to Columbia from 3.30 in the afternoon until about midnight. I had, I had my Missouri phone and I had my personal phone. And I answered phone calls and text messages and uh, up until midnight. And it's just, this, you know, uh, uh, growing up a Chiefs fan, growing up, 
um, around the state of Missouri and having a chance to, to work with not only the Super Bowl champion, but Andy Reid and the kind of person he is. And Dave Tobe is a friend of mine uh, at the top level of the profession. I just felt like it was something we could not pass up. And we talked it over as a family. Uh, when Coach Reed called me and offered me the job, we had some real tears and some great uh, clapping in our house. And so we're excited to be a part of, of what uh, has gone on. And hopefully I can add some small piece to, to, to next year's season. This reminds me of just a story that you would see in a, maybe a movie where a really respected coach at the end of his career is just starting over again. And I think there was a movie with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, the interns or something, or that movie about the pitcher who at the end of his career finally gets an opportunity to like be a major leaguer, a career minor leaguer. And I think it was the rookie or something like that. It's one of those stories and, and it's cool. And if the Chiefs are able to repeat at the end of his career, he found this new life and, and it's going to be vibrant. And one of the other things he mentioned, I didn't pull this down, but he says, well, they, we have number 15. How could you not like the situation here? Just to do jobs that he had people to do for him at Mizzou, but he's now wearing that KC on his chest. Yeah, it's got to be a dream come true for him. I know it would be for me if I were in his shoes. Um, so I, I can really appreciate what he's saying there. That that, And, you know, you don't always get those opportunities when you're a professional coach. You go where the job is. You know, I consider to be the luckiest man on earth, to coin a phrase, to do what I do with Arrowhead Pride, the team, you know, the team I've followed my whole life. And not everybody gets to do that. So I think we would be wise not to minimize that effect that it could have on somebody's decision to come to a, the team that they've always felt a, a part of, especially when it's when the head coach is a guy that has such a rich history with Missouri as well. And what an exciting time to do it too. Yeah. You, you mentioned oh, a, a lifelong Chiefs fan. Yeah. This is the team. We talked about it on last episode, right? This is probably going to be the best Chiefs team there has been in franchise history with Patrick Mahomes and what they're building here as far as from year to year and winning is fun. And so who knows, maybe he has a second career here and, and really enjoys it. It's interesting because this doesn't seem like a guy who's just going to try to rise through the special teams ranks and go to another team next year. It's, I think he's just doing this because this will be fun, a fun end to what has been a long football journey for Andy Hill. So congratulations to him. It sounds like he, he's really in a good place and just a really cool I don't necessarily know if it's going to move the Arrowhead Pride needle, but a cool underlying story of the 2020 season that you'll think about if the Chiefs are able to make another run. Well, there you have it. We went through all of the, I thought, relevant, most exciting sound that came away from these two media opportunities these past few days. We will now head into the weekend a lot smarter, a lot more aware of some of the things going on ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs season. I'll put all of these press conferences in full on a From the Podium episode. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. This has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com and the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. We'll have the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory back with you on Monday at 11 a.m. We'll rejoin you Tuesday. We'll see you then.